Good morning. Can all find our seats and we get started? I know it's hard to break away from hanging out. <laughs> well, it's good to see everyone this morning. A little foggy outside, but it's pretty Christmassy, right? <laughs> I love it. Before we get started, I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer. Jesus, you are the reason for this season. Jesus, you are our humble king. I pray, Father God, that you would rule and reign in our hearts and our minds this morning, every day, every moment, leading up to this advent, Lord, that you, gave, you came to, our, to, to this earth. You laid down your life for us. And Lord, I pray that we would really hear and see and understand and know the true meaning of why you came. I pray, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit on our hearts and our minds, that we would really get a sense of who you are, Lord, and what you've sacrificed and what you've done for us. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I ask that every word that comes from my mouth would be from your throne room. Every word that I speak, Lord, would be your heart for your people. I pray, Father God, that your word would go forth, your truth would go forth, and your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, would bring us your comfort. We'll just give this time over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the humble king of peace. So what we're doing is we are in an Advent series that is leading up to to Christmas. And last week, Dusty shared with us about how Jesus came, and he came on in the most humblest of ways, and he became the hope for us all. So each week, we're just going to go through different characteristics, different things that Jesus is for us leading up to this Christmas that we call this celebration, so to speak. But we have to remember why we celebrate, what we're really celebrating. And so Dusty was talking about how Jesus brought hope when he came. Here's the thing about this. is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, your father, my father, the almighty, universal God supreme, he came here as a child in the most humblest of ways on our behalf. He came as a child. Here's the sovereign king of kings coming as a child to model to us humility. And he became the only hope for you and I. And I think that that's what Dusty was trying to share with us, is that Jesus is our only hope. That's one characteristic of who Jesus and why Jesus came. But in this week, what we're going to focus on is how Jesus is also the king, the humble king of peace. And in the same way that Jesus is only our, our only hope, he is our only peace. I was thinking about this as I was putting my message together, and I was thinking, you know, we as Christians, his people, people here, you know, the majority of us, we understand we have this hope and peace, right? that can only come from Jesus. But what about the, the hope and peace for people who don't know Jesus? That's Jesus' heart, because he knows we already have it. He knows that we can access it anytime. 
We have it because we have given our lives over to Jesus. We have given our lives over to him, over to this humble king. And we have said to him, you are now king over my life. And I trust you with it. Isn't that what we've done as Christians? We've given our lives over to him. So really, the title of this series should be Trust in the Humble King of Hope, Peace, Joy, and Love. And I'm preaching to a room of Christians, and we get it, and we understand it. When we give our lives over to Jesus, in essence, like I said, we are saying, Lord, I trust you with my life. It doesn't mean that it's easy, right? We can't say it's easy. I know it ain't easy. You all know it's not easy. We're still faced with the same trials and the same things that everyone else who doesn't have Jesus faces. I was just telling this to somebody the other day. I was like, we were in this discussion about being a Christian. And I was like, the only difference with the people in the world and us is Jesus. Right? Because we suffer the same things. We deal with the same things that people who don't know Jesus. It's our job. It's our job as Christians and followers of Jesus to introduce those who do not know him, who do not know Jesus. Our lives should be that example to others of how we can live in peace. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like I have a lot of peace but I do know that I have the source of peace. So Jesus, he comes on the scene as a baby, the humblest of forms. He is king of kings and lords of lords, and yet he has chosen to come to earth to be a human, to be one of us, to experience what we experience, and to model for us living as a servant and living a humble life. In Philippians 2, verses 7, it says, He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. I can think of a couple of reasons that Jesus did it this way. To model humility, to model servanthood, but also so that we can know that he can relate to us. Jesus came as a human, as a baby. I was thinking about this the other day, too, is that Jesus was a little child that he'd go through all. I mean, I watched my little granddaughter who's three, and she's a little tyrant. Did Jesus, was he like a little tyrant? I think that he looks down at some of us parents and go, oh, I get it. I understand. I'm so sorry. Right? So I think that in his majesty and his all-knowing, he wanted us to relate to him. I don't see Jesus that way, but I know that he experienced it, right? (laughs) This king, this humble king, he brings us peace. The Bible is filled, filled with scriptures that talk about Jesus, peaceful nature, and his desire to bring peace on earth. The first one that comes to mind is 1 Corinthians 14, 33, and it says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. When I'm confused and my brain is rattling round and round and I'm thinking about all the things that are happening in my life, if I go to the source of peace, I get peace. Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4, 9, it says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Read Jesus' life. 
Read about him. Who was he? How was he? He loved people. He cared for people. He was there for people. He pointed them to his father. He sacrificed. He was humble. He was lowly. This is how we should look to Jesus when we see Jesus this way. This is the way our life should be. We should model after Jesus. There's a great illustration, if you heard it probably a hundred times, but have you been in, in, a, in a boat on really rough waters? I have. I lived in Hawaii for many years, and you know, every once in a while I'd go fishing with my brothers, and we'd have these boats and stuff, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, I'm not going to say I've been in one of those big, huge storms, but when the wind whips up, it is crazy being in a small little boat. It's scary. Not only did I get sick, but it is scary. Did you know, and I, and I read this somewhere recently, that's why I'm using this illustration, that the winds can sweep across the sea at almost 100 miles per hour or more. The, with the wind blowing, lightning, thunder, darkness, waves can reach up to 50. Now, I've never been in that kind of a sea, but still, the illustration is the same. And a ship in such a storm can be tossed around like a little boat. I mean, the bigness of the ocean is like crazy. I don't want to experience it. I, I remember my husband saying that him being on those Navy ships, that was big, huge thing, and, and it would toss that big, huge ship around like nothing. You don't want to be in those kind of storms. But just beneath the surface, just not even 100 feet below the surface, it's perfectly calm and peaceful. There's nothing that's going on. There's no turmoil. There's no sound. It's perfectly still. That's the kind of peace I want, right? When I feel like I'm on a boat in this life and I'm being tossed around back and forth, thoughts, ideas, being confronted with sin or not, the harshness, the weirdness of all the things that are going on, right, in this world that we're faced with, I just want that center. I just want to be, remember Jesus at the bottom of the boat when the storm came? He was asleep. He was out. He was, he was just like, man, can I just get some winks until we get to the other side? He was like a perfect peace. And his disciples were crazy, scared, wondering what the heck is going on. And God is like, okay, all right, I'll stop the wind if you guys will just stop. That's what I want. I want that peace. He promises his disciples. He promises disciples, which are us too, that he will be our peace. In John 16, 33, this is what it says. I have told you all of this, that you have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is Jesus. He's overcome all of this. That's what he's been trying to tell his disciples, and he wants to tell us. He told them that we would have trials and sorrows in this world. Just because we're his disciples, does that mean that we are going to be any different? If not more so, we're going to have it coming at us, right? I don't know about you, but I feel trouble in this world. Not just as a Christian, but as a human being. Where is the unrest and the hatred and the anger and everything coming from? You know, if we really read our Bible, we shouldn't be surprised. Right? We knew Jesus said these things were gonna happen. These were gonna be these things, this turbulence, this all the stuff that we're seeing, it's in the Bible. Sometimes I'm so, I'm just so black and white, I'm so matter of fact. And I if I talking to somebody and they're asking us, and like some of my family members who they know the Lord, but they don't, you know, either walk with him or 
I'm just thinking of my sons. Like, why is all, it's like, guys, read your Bible. Just read your Bible. It says it in there. It's going to happen. Why are you surprised? You know this. And, and, and yet, even though it's true, it's hard when you're living in it. It is a scary thing. It is easy to live in fear because of what's going on in the world. I've had thoughts like this, and I'm just going to be honest and transparent. I'm not going to go to the mall anymore. I'm not going to go to a movie theater. I mean, like, seriously? I'm not going to go to a party where there's people that I don't know. So basically, I'm saying I'm going to hole up and become a hermit and live in fear. Now, okay. The other thought I have, and this is, <laughs> this is mainly because I live around and my son, you know, is just, Mom, get a gun. Mom, get a gun. You know, he's in the military. Get a gun. You've got to protect yourself. You have to, you know, this kid has, like, these big, huge guns. No, I mean, like, seven, eight, nine of them? Why? You know, and it's like, dude, why? They're all up in my attic. What do, you, what do you need them for? So basically, I'm going to go out and be ready to shoot somebody dead. Right? No. That's living in fear. And yet, those are fears that we're faced with today. I just got hired with the, uh, the West Valley School District as a substitute lunch lady. What was I thinking? School shootings? I'm not going to live in fear because I know, I know my God is my source of peace and I got to trust it. But those thoughts go through our minds. We can't be honest here and say that those thoughts don't come to us, right? That's real. It's normal. But it's also normal and it's also real that we see Jesus as the center of our peace. In spite of all of this, Jesus promised he'd never leave those who followed him, and his constant presence would be the way that they would experience his peace. So in spite of the turmoil in our world right now, you and I can have peace. Ephesians 2.14 says this, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace. Do we believe it or don't we? Are we going to tap into that or aren't we? In those times when we just are in turmoil. Can we tap into that? He says it's available to you and I. When my eyes and my heart are looking towards heaven, I have peace. When my eyes and my heart are focused on this plane or this world, I am turmoil. How do you look at your life? We live in a supernatural world. We do. So when I keep my eyes heaven-bound, I'm not thinking about the, th the things on this world are trivial in comparison to what is going on in heaven and what God wants us to focus on. He doesn't want us to focus on all this crud that's going on because he knows what it's going to do. It's going to kill us. It's going to rob our peace. It's going to destroy our, our love for one another. It's going to do all those things that are not Christ-like, that are not Christian, that are not no different than the world. He is our source. He is our peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says this, You, Jesus, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Jesus, again, is our true source of peace. 
Second Thessalonians 3.16 says this. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in everywhere, every way. The Lord be with you all. What it takes for us to have peace at all times in every way is to simply have fellowship with God. To simply have fellowship with the Lord of peace. I found personally, for me, that the world has gotten so loud that it drowns out the voice of Jesus. Can you relate to that? Like there are so many avenues of noise and distractions. And, you know, I have a list here. The social media has taken us by storm. There is so much on social media. Not saying it's bad, because it's not. There's good in it. But if you don't know how to, well, I'm just going to speak for myself. If you don't know how to discipline yourself (laughs) and say, you know, after four hours, I probably should get off. No. You know, I mean, it, it can be overwhelming. There's so much good on it as well. When I'm struggling with my life problems, where do I go? TV, Facebook. Instagram, the internet, chat rooms, NPR. There was a season I was really into NPR. I was hanging out with my son a lot, and that's all he had on. And it started to grab me. I was like, well, this is interesting, all these talk shows and, you know, these opinions and all that. And it's like I got so overwhelmed with them. Like it's like, you know, you have to, what is true? What is real? Who, who do I listen to? I just had to stop altogether cold turkey because it was taking me out. In my mind, it was taking me out. I know that the only place I could find true contentment and peace is when I am spending those times with the Lord. What does our time with the Lord look like? For me, I might be old. And oh, by the way, where's my husband? I'm not a visitor. <laughs> you introduce you we're going to have a visitor speaker here today. I've been here longer than this building almost. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like a visit, a guest speaker. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> maybe it's because I'm older, but I realize that quiet and solitude is what I need. Like, man, I, I, I remember just like having so much energy, and like I would want to be a part of the biggest things that's going on, and parties, and people, and all over the place. Like now, I just want to be alone. Not in those quiet places where I can recharge my battery. It's slowing down somewhat, you know. So I got to re-plug in to Jesus. I got to re-plug into who He is, so that I can get enough strength to face the world. I'm not that old. This peace, <laughs> not that old. This peace that Jesus brings and gives to us is not like the world gives. Peace I live with you. Jesus said that peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And the world does give us some kind of peace sometimes, right? Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Again, Jesus is stating that the peace he gives his followers was different from the peace that we find in our world. When Jesus referred to the world, he's talking about our society and our culture. Our lives as Christians is an example to the world of the kind of peace we can live in and receive with Jesus at the center of our heart. We model that. In one way or another, we as Christians, his people, model what it's like 
what Jesus is like. I love that we, what we did last month and we had uh, people share their testimonies. I thought that that was so awesome because each one of their stories was an example, was a testimony to who Jesus is and how Jesus can come and change their lives by giving them hope, by giving them peace, by giving them a knowing that as they surrender, it doesn't mean that it's not hard. You heard from each one of them that it's tough, but they knew where the source was, even when they didn't think they knew what the source was or that they believed that the source was really going to change things. And yet they kept their focus on Jesus, and Jesus transformed and healed their lives. I love this quote from Scripture, and it says it all. It says, they overcame him, which is Satan, the devil, the accuser of the brother, by the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. When we tell our stories, people, it speaks to the heart of who Jesus is, how he can change our lives and how he can bring hope and peace. When we tell people our stories, when we tell them where we once were and what Jesus has done, it gives them the hope. It gives them an understanding that, wow, your life was really a mess. Do you hear my testimony? Or mine is not even as, you know, like off the charts as some that I've heard. And yet they walk in peace and they walk in home even from where they come from. And that testimony is to the glory of God in each one of our lives. We share our testimony because it's a way that we have overcome the enemy because of what Jesus did. Isn't that our hope? Isn't that our desire? We want others. We want people who don't know this Jesus, who brings hope and peace and joy and love. We want others to know why he came on the scene as a little baby, why he died on the cross. We want them to have what we have. So I'm going to tell you this story. And it impacted me so much. And it's, it just speaks to when you give your life to God and you follow him. And he becomes your all in all, that what you won't lay down. So I'm going to tell you the story. And I, I'm going to read it. And anyway, it was so amazing. So, And you, some, of you, some of you have heard it. 21 Coptic Christian men had been working in Libya when they were kidnapped by ISIS. They were lined up on the beach to be killed. But one of them had darker skin and different facial features. This was a man from Chad. The Coptic Christians were given a choice to deny Jesus or die. They refused to deny him, knowing it would cost them, even though knowing it was going to cost them their heads. When the terrorists ordered the man from Chad to deny Jesus or die, he answered, their God is my God, therefore sealing his fate. That's how moved he was by the faith of these Christians. He was not a Christian. He was rounded up with this group of, of guys who were Christians. Your, their God is my God. Their refusal to deny their Savior, even at the point of death, literally at the point of knife to their throats, moved him to make a profession of faith, one that would cost him his head as well. The man had never been a believer. All he had to say, all he had to say was, I don't believe in Jesus, or Jesus is not the Son of God. And he would walk away a free man. 
This man who had not been a follower of Jesus before then was so moved by the dedication of those Christians that he became a believer on the spot. Basically saying, go ahead and behead me. You, your God is not my God. Their God is my God. The hope that these Christian men must have had. The peace they must have had. Can you imagine being lined up on a beach with a knife at your throat? Where does that peace come from? It can only come from Jesus. And in the video, here's the thing. I didn't watch the video. I just heard about it, and I saw the men on the beach like a lot of us have seen. In the video, they were not wailing. They weren't crying. They weren't in a panic. They weren't denying or denouncing their faith. There was a calm, a peace. They knew their hope was not in this world. They knew that it was in Jesus. Can I say that? The Chad man, when he saw what he saw these men, he wanted. Are we that to the world? When they look at us, when they see our lives, do they say, man, she's got something. I want that. I hope so. But man, I kind of doubt it sometimes. You know yourself. We know ourselves. We know what we believe and what we don't believe. We know how we are looking to the world. Do I look more like Jesus or do I look more like the world? That's the question I ask myself. They were willing to give up their lives. He was willing to give up. Their, and he, all he knew is whatever those people have, I want it. And in that moment... He wanted Jesus, and he gave his life for that Jesus. Here's me surmising, okay? My thought after reading this story, and I'm sure a lot of other people have thought of this. How did, how did we, the world, hear about this? Because if all the Christians on the beach were killed, right? And the only other people there were ISIS people, did it so impact one or a few of those ISIS people that they didn't go back and tell others and maybe they decided to seek out this God of the killed Christians? Wow, right? Because that's what I kind of think. We will never know, but guess what? Jesus does. God does, and that's all that matters. He added one more to his kingdom, and man, they are having a party in heaven. He chose Jesus. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this Advent, let's remember why Jesus came and why he's the humble king of peace. Because belief and trust in him alone can bring us true and lasting peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You, Jesus, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Perfect peace in spite of the trials of life. As we trust and fix our eyes on Jesus, I try to tell myself that every day. When I spend some time with the Lord. It's like, this day, Lord, I choose to walk in you. I choose to be your servant. Help me to do that, because I can't do it on my own. I need this God, this Jesus, to give me 
peace, to give me the ability to live this out. And it gives me hope. It gives me hope to know that Jesus did this for just not just me, but for all of us. And my hope, and I know Jesus' hope, is that others who don't know him can know him the way that we do. So there's just a few ways that we can see and experience Jesus' peace in spite of and when we are faced with fears of this life, anxieties, troubles, whatever it may be, and whatever you're going through, whatever I go through, there are certain things that we can see and experience Jesus' peace. Jesus' peace transcends all our circumstances. So no matter what you're going through, if you cry out to Jesus, he comes and he gives you peace in the middle of it. I don't know how that happens, but I know that our circumstances are different when Jesus is in the middle of it. Real quick, when I was a single mom, I, had, I was poor as dirt. I raised my kids by myself. I had nothing. I, gave my, I got divorced. I went to drugs and alcohol. I did the world scene. I did all of that. I gave my life to Jesus. Guess what? None of my circumstances changed. I was still poor. I was still a single mom. I still had nothing, but I had Jesus, and everything changed. Everything changed. How do you explain that? Next one is peace surpasses all understanding. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It just did. It just did. I trusted him. I said, you be the Lord of my life. And he brought peace. He brought hope. He brought me trusting him. This is what Jesus, when he came as a little kid, and he died on the cross, that's what he did for you and I. Jesus' peace extends to all of us all his believers, all of his followers, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, it is for you, it is for me, it is for all of us. All we need to do is reach out to him. Jesus' peace is abiding state of being. We can be in it all the time if we choose. If we choose in the circumstances, the hard circumstances of our life, the Holy Spirit is always there to help. Peace, deep, genuine, God-given peace can be the norm in which you and I live day to day. So as we move forward in the journey of life, let's trust and believe that God's desire for us, each one of us, is to feel his abiding peace at all times. That's what he came to bring. A peace that includes joy and a feeling of purpose in every area of our life. People, it doesn't mean that... Remember, Jesus said, there will, you will face trials. You will have sorrows. But it far outweighs when we know that we can cry out to him and he comes and he gives us the peace and the hope and the trust that he will be there for us. That's the message that we want to give to you but to others who don't have him. Um, Dusty, you want Come up and we're going we're to do communion. And I just, I want to end with this. Jesus wants us to know, like I said over and over again, that you and I at any moment in time can tap into that peace. 
We can tap into it. Right here, right now, whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, we can tap into that because we have the source of peace. He is here for each one of you. He wants to meet you right where you're at. We're going to take communion. And in this time where we just stop, and we just ask, ask Jesus, show me Jesus, in this circumstance of my life, in this, in this hardship of my life, I choose to just lay it before you for what you've done. I remember you, Jesus, and what you did for me. I am able to do that. And so Dusty is going to lead us in, some, uh, in our communion. So just a quick explanation um, how we do communion here. We'll have everybody stand um, and come forward. We take a little piece of bread and kind of dip it in the, in the grape juice. If you have a gluten allergy, over here on the right-hand side, there is some special bread for you to, so that we don't make you sick. It's um, gluten-free bread, just like they had at the Last Supper. They didn't have it at the Last Supper. Um, I want to read from the book of Matthew. This might seem like a little bit of a a strange section, but um, just go with me. Um, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would have been better if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who betrayed him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. We all, I think, have that moment with Christ, right? Where we're like, God, did I just screw up? God, you know what it is I've done. You know where I've been. Here's one, to me, one of the biggest miracles of communion is that Jesus served Judas the bread and the wine. Think about that for a minute. The man who he knew was going to betray him to death. This is my body, which is broken for you. Take this and eat. This is my blood, which is shed for you. He said that to Judas, too, full well knowing what Judas was going to do. And as I was um, praying this morning, like I said, you know, as far as Jesus being our safe place, even for Judas, Jesus was safe. Jesus is safe for you, too. So I'm going to pray. We're going to bless the elements, and I'm going to ask you to stand up, and we're going to take communion together. Lord Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that so many years ago you chose to come down to heaven and make yourself, or from heaven and make yourself vulnerable in in the form of a little baby. You were fully dependent on Joseph and Mary to take care of you. And then you grew and you walked and you spoke and you taught and you sacrificed yourself over and over and over for our sake. You endured hunger and hardship, Lord God. And eventually, Jesus, you put yourself up on the cross. You gave yourself for us as a sacrifice for our sin. 
You paid the price for us, Jesus. And Lord, we can never say thank you enough. Lord, you simply asked that we would take communion in remembrance of all that you did for us. And so, Lord, we honor that this morning. We do that this morning, God. We remember. Jesus, we say that we remember. We have not forgotten, Lord God, what you did for us, the sacrifice you made for us on our behalf, Jesus. So, Lord, I ask that you would you bless this bread, bless this grape juice, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. Amen. Um, if I could have everybody please stand, and we're going to come forward. I'm going to sneak in here and grab mine real quick. Um, if you would just dip it and then take it back to your seat and hold it, and then we'll take communion together. So I just encourage you for a moment, just connect with God. Close your eyes. Ignore anyone else around you. And um, give Jesus your gratitude for what he did for you. So Lord God, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that you're you chose to allow your body to be broken and your blood to be shed for our sake, Jesus. And so, Lord, we take this communion in remembrance of what you did.